It's like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And today, uh, we are here to review Stanley Kubrick's Paths of Glory from 19-something or other. I forget the year. It's 56? 57, I think. Oh, so close. Um, But uh, this is Stanuary 2020 Janley Kubrick films, if you will. Um, and that is our theme for the month. If you've never listened to the podcast before, Corey and I uh, realized several years ago that we had a major set of movies that we'd never seen. And, of course, that gap list grows every year. But um, in an effort to start to whittle it away, we started this podcast where once a week, one of us chooses a movie that we have not seen. And we watch it. We review it. And we also like to just catch up with what we've been doing since the last time we recorded and what other movies we might have seen in that time. Uh, we started adding themes about two years ago, and this month, as noted, is Stanley Kubrick films. Um, so, this is our third episode for this theme. We've done uh, the the killing, is that right, or just killing? <laughs> um, and then, which is, that name has been used in a lot of other things as well. Like if you when you look up killing, it's like there's a TV series, other movies. Uh, last week we did the iconic A Clockwork Orange, a film that neither Corey and I had ever seen before. And this week we're doing one that I knew very little about other than that it was on Criterion and Corey picked it and that I made a, a slight mistake and said that Kirk Douglas was the father of Kurt Douglas, who is not an actor. Um, Kirk Douglas is the father of Mike Douglas or Michael Douglas, who is the father of Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez. That's not right either. Holy crap. I keep screwing up everything. That is Martin Sheen. I- um man i am i know all these things and they're just starting to blur together so uh michael douglas is married to Catherine zeta jones that part's true um and i think they have a kid i don't know uh it's not a famous kid if so Corey, usually at this part of the show we get caught up on our personal stuff but before we do that today uh we record on mondays folks even though our our show doesn't come out till saturday um but today was the uh, Oscar nominations. Yeah. Have you looked at the list at all? Yeah, I have. Um, I, I am not happy about some of the nominations. Uh, and I know you. You mean the it. eleven nominations that Joker got? I'm not happy about that. And most, though, most, I'm not happy that Todd Phillips got a director nomination for that movie, because I feel like if anything, maybe Martin Scorsese should have got the nomination for that, um, because he just recreated two Martin Scorsese films. But, you know, um, I just, I just, I just, I don't understand the love for that film. I just don't understand. Like, Bill and I were talking about it, and Bill really enjoys that film, and Bill doesn't enjoy films often. You know, like, he was actually considering going to see it again, and I'm going to see if it's still in the theater, and if it is, I'm going to go with him again, because he never wants to see a movie twice. But, you know what I mean? Like... I just, it just did not click with me. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I, and one, I wanted to love it because I am a huge fan of Batman and I generally love the Joker. Um, And I don't, I don't think I would hate that movie as much if not for the outpour of love that it has received. Um, I think I have, 
oh, fallen I... into a role of contrarian. I, I didn't love it, mind you, um, when I saw it, but the more co- people I've had to discuss the film with, um, especially the number of people who think it is a masterpiece, and most of them have not seen the two movies that have inspired this film. So yeah, I do have a lot of problems with the amount of nominations. I, you and I are both huge Joaquin Phoenix fans. Um, that does not mean I am always going to love his performances. Um, we were excited going into this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like Batman too. Nothing on how much you love Batman, but and also that shared love for Joaquin Phoenix, and it just did not sit with me. Like, yeah. I was so bored during the movie. It felt so damn long. It was like three and a half hours long, right? No, because no. that's how it felt. I, I never. I don't have that similar issue and there are parts of the movie i enjoyed i i hated parts of it um there were some of the story choices that i really did not care for um some of it felt very very forced and um yes my big issue though with him getting the director nomination is that greta gerwig was left off of the director nomination and i I, don't agree with that i mean i know it's an adaptation but i just i just feel like Little Women is so good, and I yep. have seen so many different kinds of audiences. But don't, because I've seen this movie, don't oh, confuse the adaptation thing though, oh, because I, both Joker and Little Women are nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. Because Joker's oh, too. I did not realize that. Yes, so I like uh, looked at it and I've read a few things today, but uh, my one of my biggest gripes i think when this is like it's not i don't think this is going to be a hot take um but i also don't think it's one that's getting a lot of conversation because i don't think she has a chance to win but i also think that there is a performance that i would have rather have seen on this list um jordan peele and us are basically not on this list at all i don't know if he got us see him anywhere yeah no he I, didn't get anything isn't it just they only had a couple i thought they had a couple of nominations they just weren't not I felt for like... uh, not for Oscars, maybe uh, for Golden Globes or some other awards. Oh, there's a bunch sorry. Of awards going on. But um, I would have actually... loved to have seen uh, Lupita Lupita Nyong'o. Is that am I saying it right? Oh, I can't pronounce her name. I'm not looking I'm at gorgeous. it. I'm trying to do it from memory, but I, I might be butchering it or mixing letters. But um, her performance in Us was outrageously good. And while I think Cynthia Erivo is a terrific actress, I loved her in Widows, even though she had a small part in Widows. I loved her in Bad Times at the El Royale. And I do think she did a good job in Harriet. However, I think Harriet is a bad movie, uh, far more so than it, it should be. And I don't think she has a chance to win the Oscar. I would have rather have seen Lupita Nyong'o, um, or whatever her correct name is, and us get a recognition, because I don't think Harriet deserves any recognition. I don't know who else. It got song, and I'm actually okay with the song, only because none of the other songs really stand out to me either. Uh, most notably, that I didn't realize there was an original song in Rocket Man, because it's like, I just oh, assumed yeah. all the songs were from Elton John's oeuvre, so like, I'm like, what? There's an original <laughs> song in that? Um and to be fair, I was not super familiar with Elton John's uh, discography or songs. Like, I knew some of the big ones, like Tiny Dancer and, um, well, Rocket Man. And I knew a few of those, but there were several songs in the movie that I didn't, I was not super familiar with or I didn't realize was Elton John. Um, and that's just because I never really listened to Elton John as a kid. Like, I knew Candle in the Wind because that happened when I was, like, alive and, you know, aware of things. And Well, also, that was rewritten when Princess Diana 
passed away, it was it became big again. I oh, don't know. I if totally you... thought that song was written for Princess Diana. I had no clue it existed before. No. Then. Further yeah. to my point, I knew very little about. Elton it was John. about Marilyn Monroe. Um, Holy cow! I did not know that. Yeah. Um, so it, I think that that's why that song is so. Yeah, the, well, that's why I knew what it was because I thought it was written yeah. for Princess Diana. I had no clue it existed before that. So yeah, my bad. Um, more bad information, but um, <laughs> uh, I am, I am excited. Um, so animated feature film. Um, I have not seen Missing Link, and Missing Link won the Golden Globe, beating my fate. One of my favorite films of 2019 with Toy Story four. Uh, because I am a sucker for Toy Story. I am a sucker for Pixar. Missing Link, I wanted to see. I did buy, actually, on Black Friday. I have not watched yet. Um, oh. I'm, I am a fan of Leica Digital? Studios. Uh, I think so. Um, I'm pretty sure. Because I wanted to see that, too, but I don't really remember... I don't really remember... It was remember... in and out. Um, It was okay. not in theater super long, but apparently it was good enough to get the Globe win. Um, I, I can see maybe people like Toy Story 4, just they didn't see it because... A lot of us wrote Toy Story 4 off before it came out thinking there's no way they could do it again. Like, there's no I way. I don't know what's going on with Disney, but I don't, and I don't know who really chooses what trailers that they play, but they don't do a good job lately of selling their movies. Like, I was, I'm done with the live action in the first Mulan trailer that I saw. I was like, wow, this looks really bad. But now the new one that's playing, I'm like, why haven't they just been playing this one the whole time? Because I'm in. Yeah. And I felt like they did that with Toy Story 4 as well. Yeah. Or Heartstrings. Um, I was very, very pleasantly surprised with Toy Story 4. Because, um, again, I love Toy Story 3. Uh, I often will cite Toy Story 3 as the movie that finally broke me of my I won't cry at movies nonsense that I you know grew up with. Um, and now I cry, like, all the time at movies. But, um, yeah. Uh, overall, I'm not super excited or bummed um we will eventually matt sean and i will record our uh oscar draft episode we already drafted um i i won't tell you who won or lost i will just tell you that i'm not great at doing that so take that <laughs> for what it is um i didn't do horrible but i definitely uh I, I, there's a there is a clear person who knows the award process better than other people oh. um and uh the best picture we have nine best pictures they can do up to ten I always find it odd that they don't just do 10. Um, but uh, Ford and Ferrari out. got nominated, which I, I did. I liked that movie a lot more than I expected to. The Irishman is amazing. Really liked Jojo Rabbit. Did not like Joker. Love Little Women. Love Marriage Story. 1917 was really great. Um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Parasite. Of the movies that got nominated, um, one of them is in my top five for the year. I won't say which. Um because we haven't done that yet. Only one? Only one's in my top five, yes. Um, my Dang. A lot of my top are, are smaller movies, um, and uh, they're more independent, um, so thus lesser seen. And one of them, uh, I totally get why it's not nominated for Best Picture, but they're wrong. But, you know, at least maybe he was nominated for a supporting actor. How about that? Um Hint, 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 hint. Oh, God, I'm looking through the list right now. I'm, um, I'm scrolling back up. If you've been listening to me talk about movies for the last <laughs> few years, there's no question but, who, who my what my favorite movie of the year is going to be. Um, yeah, but I, I'm, like, looking at this list, and there are three that I know that you like, and I'm like, mm -hmm. it's hard. 
Well, I will I will spoil that Toy Story 4 is in my top 5 because I freaking love Toy Story and 4 just four clicked with me way harder than I expected it to. I saw it twice yeah. in the theater. I bought it wow. immediately when it came out. Uh, to be fair, one of the times I saw it was a critic screening because Sean got me into the Disney screening. Um, oh, nice. But uh, I also paid – I took my wife to see Toy Story 4 because I actually – not only did Sean get me into the critic screening, but Sean let, got where I could bring Taylor to the critic screening as well. Oh, well, that's um, right. So we got to see it, and we both liked it. Um, had, had you been to a Disney critic screening before? Um, yes. I think I saw – I don't remember for sure. It was Mary Poppins Returns before or after Toy Story Four. I thought was it was it last before. Year? Was it the year before? I, it might have been the I year before. It was before. Okay, then I saw Mary Poppins. I could Returns be wrong. I didn't see it at a Disney screening again because of Sean. Um, and then I got to, and by Disney screening, I mean a Disney critic screening, which is a little tighter security. Um, uh, when we saw Toy Story Four, they had these new cell phone holder things where you had, like, <gasps> put your phone in it and they like locked it, like where it's yes. really unlocked with a um like a magnet basically like almost like uh yonder pouches i think yes yeah yeah uh dave Chappelle actually was like partially responsible for their creation um somehow like because he didn't want his sets being recorded or something like that but um but yeah uh that's the oscar talk that we'll do we won't get into anything more unless there's something else you really wanted to comment on i'm glad that little women got nominations i just feel like me too she deserved more. Florence Pugh uh, on her on her Instagram had oh, a really funny post. About, Queen, yes, yeah, I love that. Um, <laughs> She's so funny. I yeah. just I liked her in mid mid summer summer. She had um, for actresses. I think she had the she was my favorite from 2019 because she's in fighting with my family which was an excellent i didn't see comedy. that but i need to oh i love that movie so much um it was in my top five for a long time it did get edged out but it's still in my top 15 or something from the year i need to rewatch it because it, it clicked for me so hard i am a big uh long time wrestling fan i'm currently not super involved so like if you started talking about current wrestling i wouldn't know what you're talking about but i was watching when Paige uh was wrestling and so this is like a biopic about her and her story and so i was already kicked into that um but then uh midsummer i thought she was amazing i while lady macbeth um came out uh, i think two years before i watched it last year and it's amazing and then uh little women i i'm i am on board the the florence Pugh train she is a terrific talent and i can't wait to see what else she, happens um I would be surprised if she wins. Um, mainly because honestly, of the five, I would I would go Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit. Oh, she's so good. good. Although she could win for bet uh, for best actress because her performance in Marriage Story is also fantastic. Although I I wouldn't put it past Zellweger and Judy Garland because of the uh, well in Judy. Sorry, the movie's called Judy, but her performance as Judy Garland was really really good, and it's such a hollywood movie um and she did win the globe for it though and so there's a chance that she won't win the oscar um and i i honestly the only one i would be upset with winning would be cynthia revo and only because i don't think that's the role she should get the award for it should have been i think harriet should have been the best movie of the year i think it should you know given what harriet tubman did i think that movie is so underserves her real life character or person that it, it is such a shame it was one of my biggest disappointments of the year um because i really went in expecting to just be like blown away and like look at this and then it just wasn't that 
So I really don't want her to win for that movie. Again, I think she's a terrific actress. I think she's got a great career ahead of her, and I think we will see her win an Oscar. Um, I think she's that talented. I think it'll be for a musical because her singing voice is outrageously amazing. Um, but that said, anything uh, going on since... I mean, we just recorded our last episode a couple days ago, so it hasn't been as long as we usually have between recordings. Um, but is anything, any news, any uh, updates? Is I know it snowed this weekend for you, right? Gross, yeah. And then last night, it sounded like a hurricane. Oh. Um, yeah, there was like little baby hail all over everywhere and it yeah it oh the wind was just nuts like (laughs) i made some stuff in my backyard fly around like a wood uh bird feeder was uh tossed around about six or seven feet from where it was so i thought that i was just sometimes i don't know if things really are as bad as i think that they are i was like god it sounds like our roof is going to be ripped off um and you know apparently the wind was strong um but yeah it's really effing cold here and i'm ready for anything but winter please yeah i it's not raining here it's actually a little too warm here um when i left the movie theater yesterday it like sun showered for like three seconds (laughs) yeah one cloud in the sky and it was just like raindrop 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 done i was like all right Uh. but uh so yeah um I was like, not, not nothing majors happened uh, since the last time we recorded. I um, I'm trying to think if anything has happened. It's been I've been going to the gym and uh, uh, yesterday was like super long. Like I, I had to work in the morning and then I um, I went to the movie theater and then I went to the gym and I went to the grocery store, waited for my wife oh. to get home, and then we went to dinner and then she wanted to go to Walmart and that's like an ordeal. Um, but I did get a new pair of gym shorts and a new jacket. I got this very, like, thin, like, hoodie. Um, I, I like having a zip-up hoodie, and I haven't had one in a while, and I found this really nice one. Um, and it's really nice because, like, because of the weight loss, I'm, I am uh, buying um, – I used to – the last several years, I've had to go either 3X or 4X for shirts, which mm-hmm. meant, like, limited where I could go. Very, to yeah. Um, except I found out – one of the walmarts near me has apparently like a big guy size and i was very mad because there was all these shirts that i wanted but they only had in like 3x and i'm like what the heck i could never find clothes when i needed this size now yeah uh extra large uh which i'm very proud to be wearing nicely done yeah i don't remember the last time i was wearing extra large shirts and being comfortable in them um so yes uh i was like i i got this new jacket last night it was really nice and then um, a while back, she uh, like I think it was right before Christmas, she bought me this really nice like dress shirt. Um, it's like it's got like a paisley black pattern on a red shirt. Oh, nice! Mm-hmm. And um, I hadn't been able to wear it. Like we we were able to like dress down most of the of winter, so like I was just wearing jeans and t shirts. Um, and so today was like the first time I've worn like dress clothes to work in like two months. So I wore that shirt today. I was like, I'm gonna wear this new shirt she got me. I'll, you know. Um, also extra large so I was like excited that you know put it on and it would still be a little loose even um, and then apparently everybody likes this shirt because I got a lot of compliments from like just re- like from some students were like Mr. B that shirt is nice and I'm just like wow my wife knows what she is doing because I, I don't know that I would have picked this shirt out for me but I trust her taste and uh, I do like it but I, w- I don't know that I would have thought hey I'll wear this um, and it's a little pricier than I would normally spend on a uh, any shirt. Um, but she just she said when she saw it, she knew. 
and she was right. I got tons and tons of compliments today, and it was it feels good to get compliments. Um, not gonna lie. Uh, if you are someone who knows me in person and you've complimented me, thank you. And don't stop. I enjoy it. Um, right. Not saying I don't feel a little awkward, but I still I do love it. Uh, it is weird to get so many compliments and all all you know very like appropriate compliments. No one's being out you know inappropriate or anything, but just like about you know oh god you look so you've lost so much weight you look so good and things like that. Um, after a year of hard work, it is it is very nice to hear uh, those things. So I am grateful to anyone who has said so, um, and everyone who continues to say so. Um, at the same time, I am excited to the point where I'm I've been skinny for so long, people don't know to say that anymore. You know what I mean? Like uh, that's the long term goal is that I've 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 sustained the weight loss and uh, yeah. But let's talk about what we've been watching. Have you uh, had time to see anything since we last recorded? Still making my way through The Office. I think that we just started season seven tonight. Um, it's so easy to binge. It's like 22 or so minutes an episode. Yep. Um, and then we went yesterday and saw Little Women for the my fourth time. Nice. So I've gone with a friend the first time. I went by myself the second time. Took my aunt and my cousin the third time. And then last time I took Bill. How did he respond <laughs> to it? He liked it. There were some things that he thought were a little hard to follow, oh. huh. like the time, the timeline, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. And um, I can see that. Um, yeah. I, uh, yeah. And then he, it wasn't really a criticism because it wasn't a movie about the, the men, but that the men were not very developed, but it's not their story. So he was. True. It wasn't even really a criticism, yeah. but I have you like read a lot about like other people and Little Women, because, and I don't even know if I've talked to you about this yet. I talked to Bill about it some yesterday because it like pissed me off. Um, I'm not sure if I'm following. When you say other people, do you mean like 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 just online like oh. posts about the movie, or you know like I've seen like criticism about Timothy Chalamet, really and. Yeah, and it's always older women, and huh. I'm just like, someone like complain like that he's he's a he's a he's a small guy, kind of okay. like he can't be a leading man. Oh, that's insane. Or, or he can't, you know, like I just read stuff like that, and I, I he's don't know. He's not gonna be an action star, most likely, but uh, can't be a leading man is insane. He is a terrific actor. And that wasn't like their exact verbiage, but that's where they were going. Yeah. with that i mean i i if you haven't seen call me by your name that would be the first stop i couldn't on make that it list. through there um and then uh miss stevens is a very underseen indie film um and he gives a monologue from death of a salesman in the movie because oh. he, he's playing a um a theater kid uh he's playing a high school kid in that movie but um that just that monologue alone uh indicates how talented he's going to be um he's i i can't imagine not liking chalamet but um he is going to get a lot of hate i think because he's become kind of the heartthrob and if you think back like leonardo dicaprio had that kind of heat um and uh i just i guess i thought it was interesting coming like that demographic because i feel like with like all the hate on leonardo dicaprio that was dudes it was. Yeah, it was people like me. We were high school kids who were jealous at all the girls that we were trying to talk to were comparing us to DiCaprio, and we just couldn't live up to that guy. Um, and or, oh. more importantly, we couldn't live up to like the, the characters he was playing in the movies, uh, most of them at least. 
Especially not Jack from Titanic. But, yeah. um, okay, well, uh, was that it for what you've been watching? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I only have a couple myself because it's, it's only been like three days since we did. Uh, so when we recorded on Thursday, I had just seen 1917, which is World War One. Then I had a weird set of coincidences. So we watched Paths of Glory this week, which we're going to get into, but just a little bit of a, a information about that movie is it set in World War One in the year 1916. So one year before we, I joined the World War movies uh, with 1917. So I was like, oh, that's an interesting coincidence that I'm watching back-to-back World War One movies, um, a war that I honestly knew so little about before like the last three or four years. Um, and I thought I knew a lot, but knew almost nothing. Um, I also, for the longest time, thought World War One and World War Two happened like back to back, and they do, in that there's no war between them, but it is many years apart. Like it, I, I used to think it was like World War One ended, a year went by, World War Two started, and it's not that at all, right? Which I've known that for a while now, but when I was a kid growing up, I think that was in my brain. Um, I don't know why or how, but so Paths of Glory is about the war but it's also a very small story about this one battalion and more importantly this one commanding officer who is kind of evil um and part of the film is more of a procedural a trial and i won't get into the why because that would become spoiler territory but so there is that right there's this like it's world war one but then there's this trial so i finished watching paths of glory um i then go uh I think I went to the gym. I don't remember what I did. I did something. And then I went and saw Just Mercy that night. Oh, I want to see that too. Which is the movie about, uh, play with Michael B. Jordan playing real life attorney, um, uh, Brian Stevenson and Jamie Foxx playing a man named Walter McMillan, who is, uh, goes by Johnny D. Uh, also co-stars Brie Larson, very, very small role, but O'Shea Jackson Jr. is in there as well. Oh, that's interesting. Rafe Spall, who is, uh, in a lot of the, um, Edgar Wright films, or at least uh, in Hot Fuzz, um, are in it, and uh, there is this, there's it's a procedural. There's a, he's a lawyer, so there's stuff in the courtroom. But there is this weird thing that they have in common that when I look back at 1917, 2019 movie, Just Mercy, a 2019 movie, they both have things in common with Paths of Glory that we watched this week, and I always find it weird how things like that just. Co- you know accidentally work out that way you know like i didn't plan on seeing a world war one modern movie and a procedural and then watching paths of glory <clears throat> and i thought it was weird that there's this connection i'll actually talk a little bit about the connection in spoilers when we get to paths of glory but and then yesterday um i think what might end up being the the best movie of january and this happened i think last year escape room i think was the best movie in january last year if i remember correctly um, and that movie was a, I had no expectations for. I thought it was going to be like a cheesy, bad horror film. And to some degree, it is that. But it kind of knows it's that and it embraces it and makes it fun. And I, I ended up really liking Escape Room. I think we're getting Escape Room 2 this year, actually, um, at like towards the end of the year. And uh, th- this year, I was hoping it was going to be The Grudge. It was not The Grudge. That movie sucks. But Underwater. Uh, this oh, movie, I want to see that, too. Directed by William Eubank. Uh, stars Kristen Stewart, Vincent Cassall, um, Ma- uh, Mamadou Athi. I hope that's right, dude. My bad. Uh, T.J. Miller. Then a sleeper I didn't realize was in this movie till I got there. Uh, John Gallagher Jr., who I always love. Um, and then uh, 
Jessica Henwick. Um, that's pretty much your cast. I think there's there might be like one or two other people referenced, but um, the trailer looked a little over the top, and I wasn't super excited about seeing it. Then it it uh, the critic screenings went out, and a lot of people were kind of like, "This movie's actually very entertaining, and totally knows what it is, and it's not trying to be anything more than that." And because of that, it's super watchable. Not saying it's an amazing movie or a great movie, but it is very fun. And if you, uh, it's not even like turning your brain off for it to be good, but it, it is like there's going to be little plot devices that don't go anywhere and things like that. If they're not, it doesn't hurt the movie though. It's just there. Um, and it's pretty much right out the gate. It, it starts going and it doesn't stop. It, it doesn't let up for the film. And, uh, I think Stewart's really good in it. It's it's a different type of performance for her um, because it is, it's not, I wouldn't call it an action role, but it's more of an action role. It's more in line with Ripley and Alien than it's not, but it's mm. also, it's not entirely trying to do that, but it definitely took some influence from Alien. Um, there's a, It's very claustrophobic. Uh, the monster design is kind of cool. Um, I think that's not a spoiler. I feel like that's in the trailer, but I, you know, um, it's, oh, there's definitely something down there. Yeah, and uh, I, I was very pleasantly surprised. Um, I definitely enjoyed it. Uh, I haven't written my review yet for it. I, I am trying to get to that. I've been super swamped. Um, but, yeah, uh, Just Mercy and Underwater, both good movies. I, I said that, and I'm forgetting 1917 and Just Mercy technically came out in January. But both officially were 2019 movies. They're just starting to get wide releases in January. Underwater is officially a 2020 movie. So of the 2020 movies that I'm able to see in January, I think Underwater might be the best one because we get Bad Boys for Life next week. Not going to lie. Secretly hopeful that it's amazing. Very doubtful that it's amazing. Because <laughs> um, that movie has summer blockbuster written all over it, and it's coming out in January. So yes, expectations fair. must be managed. Um, but I, I love Bad Boys. Bad Boys 2, not so much. I'm hopeful. I, I'm very hopeful that Bad Boys for Life is, is entertaining. Um, and then we get something else this weekend, too. Yep, don't even remember what it is. Um, but, yeah. And then there's one more weekend. I don't remember what we're getting, if it's a new movie or if it's just going to be uh, Oscar stuff that's finally getting wide releases. Like, I'm really hoping Parasite will come to my theater now that it's got a bunch of nominations. Yes! Um, it Usually that's what happens, so fingers crossed that uh, local Regals will get it so I can go see it for free um, on the big screen, which is how I would like to see it. Uh, but, you know, keep your eyes out, folks, because all these Oscar noms, especially being this early, we usually have to wait another week or two for Oscar nominations. Um and so now we got them this early and the Oscars are in February, uh, not March this year. So like they're right around the corner. So we, sh if, if they're going to do a last minute push for theatrical, uh, now would be the time. So keep your eyes open to your local theaters. There's a good chance that we'll get one of those movies. Um, ready to get into Paths of Glory? Yes. This is Corey's uh, second pick and her final pick for Kubrick month. Um, Paths of Glory is only an hour and 28 minutes, which is right up Corey's alley. And very surprising, given that this is a war film, and especially of the era, war films were generally long and epic. Um, so a 128 minute is surprising to both of us. Uh, it is available on Criterion. The premise is, after refusing to attack an enemy position, a general accuses the soldiers of cowardice, and their commanding officer must defend them. Um, it stars Kirk Douglas as Colonel Dax, uh, Ralph Meeker as, uh, I think it's Captain Philippe Paris, Adolf Menjou? 
as General George Brolard, uh, George McCready as General Paul Maru, uh, Wayne Morris as Lieutenant Roger, um, Richard Anderson as Major St. Aubin, Joe Turkle as Private Pierre Arnaud. I'm not really sure who these people are by name, honestly, at this point. Um, uh, directed by Stanley Kubrick, written by Stanley Kubrick, and Calder Willingham. Um, I am going to pull up our Wikipedia because I feel like I'm going to need some reminders of names and plot points. Uh, but while I do that, Corey, why don't you give us your general uh, take on the movie you picked, Pass the Glory? Um, I liked it. I appreciated that it was short. Um, it was completely hopeless, though. Um, so mm. that left me with some feelings, mm -hmm. especially as we may be marching towards World War Three. But here we are. Um, I thought that they did a really good job with like contra contrasting the different ranks within the military. We don't really know if they're like Marines or like the Army, and they're supposed to be French, right? They we are. don't have. One of the glaring holes of this movie is that this is the French army with, uh, <laughs> with no American French and accent. British act actors. Um, not even, like, no French I, I language. Like, I was like, wait, are there going to be subtitles? <laughs> oh, no, there's no sub. Okay, we're just going to do this. All right. That's we had, fine. like, one French. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I, I liked it. I. And just. think that it was beautiful. You've not seen 1917, correct? No, not yet. We were waiting until it wasn't opening weekend. Mm. I I think seeing the two movies together is is really cool. Again, that was unplanned uh, in every way on my part. Like I, I I literally went into this movie not realizing what war this was in. So I was like, oh, that's cool. And then they're like, 1916. I'm like, okay, it's really cool that it's a year before the other movie I just watched. But um, my understanding of the trench warfare was greatly helped by having seen 1917. Um, and the idea of like the wire and that whole sequence where they're you know going into battle um and we like see them like going through the the dirt and the the, the divots and all that um that landscape was very very familiar and i don't know if uh, sam mendez pulled anything from this movie i would not be surprised given that it is stanley kubrick and the iconic it's a criterion film um shame on me for not knowing it existed before you picked it um so I, I really do think the pairing of the two films worked in my favor uh, big time. And if it's not clear, I really, really like this movie. Um, one, because I, unlike Corey, actually, I think I prefer downer endings to a degree. Like, I, I don't like to believe that I'm cynical, but I definitely tend to lean that way. Um, and... I think, um, I guess I look at movies like this as needed media for people who are blindly optimistic. That you need to, to be aware of the the problems that exist. And I think films can showcase and open our eyes to things that maybe otherwise we might not think about. And I, I will, uh, I like to consider myself a pacifist. Um, I don't I don't like violence I think most problems can be solved with conversation um, and uh, thus I, I'm generally against war I'm not against soldiers I, I totally respect and appreciate those who fight for our country and understand that in many cases 
fighting has been necessary um, to stop other violence. Like, the Holocaust should not have been allowed to go as far as it did. Yeah! Um, so, again, I'm not unrealistic about certain things. However, I also see that a lot of times war is uh, dangerous. And um, there's I think... a moment in 1917, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but there's a moment no. in 1917 where I think uh, even more than the visuals, I think that there's a plot point that is referenced in 1917 that I think is a direct reference to what happens in Paths of Glory. Um, and... I, I I was on board and I, I have I don't think I've seen Kirk Douglas in a movie before um I, I definitely haven't seen his other big film another Stanley Cooper film that it's one of the big ones that we're not getting to this month which is Spartacus um I don't believe either one of us have seen Spartacus um <clears throat> and it probably should have been on our list but uh it's not and partly I it's also a, a Criterion film it's also an epic it's three hours and 17 minutes um but Kirk strategic Douglas, planning on our part yes kirk douglas plays spartacus uh it is one i think my goal will, <clears throat> oh and i didn't realize it was a trumbo screenplay interesting um i will my plan is to try to get that in over the next year or so maybe during the summer when i have a little more time to like watch it maybe break it up into parts um but uh kirk douglas his big four according to imdb is Spartacus, Ace in the Hole, The Vikings, and 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And I've not seen any of those movies. I am familiar with 20,000 Leagues. And I think I might have saw, like, part of it when I was a kid. But I definitely never sat and, like, watched that movie. Um, although he was apparently on an episode of Tales from the Crypt. Oh, then I've definitely seen it. Yeah, then I most likely have seen him in something. But I doubt that's, like, his iconic performance. Um, so, uh... I really thought he was great. Um, totally saw mm. him as Michael Douglas's father too, as like watching him. I'm like, oh yeah, I see that. I see that he's his father. It's very clear in the face. Um, I I picked up on a lot of Kubrick's uh, style and themes in this movie. Um, it did help. We watched. Uh, did you end up watching that YouTube video I sent you? Yes. Um, I think that video was very very helpful. I'm trying to look it up here. It is um, Paths of Glory Renegade Cut. Uh, which I've seen the Renegade cut a few times. I've watched some of their other videos, and they, they do good work on that channel. I like how he breaks down film. Um, I think the, his uh, breakdown helped a little bit with my like comprehension of some of the themes and stuff, so I do want to give credit. Um, but overall, because uh, we're not in spoilers, so we won't get into any plot points or anything just yet, but I really liked it. Um, uh, I could see why someone might not. Um Especially if you're going into this expecting a combat film, because you're not going to get a lot of, like, war or brutality. It's going to... Well, you will, but not in the way you're probably expecting. It is a lot more about uh, character and um, the way Kubrick uh, writes the, the various characters. And I feel like all of it's spoilers to get into, like, what the movie is really about. Because I think, like, you get in the plot synopsis that we read that um a, a general accuses soldiers of cowardice but like what soldiers how many soldiers what what's the punishment for that like i think all of that is kind of surprising um and i i feel like it's better to witness it because i was like stunned when it happened i was like what are you kidding me you know what i'm saying like i was really really 
surprised at where this movie went. And then uh, it does, I have already said, it kind of becomes a procedural um, because there's a court martial. And so you get like a courtroom type setup and a, a defense. And then where it goes from there, man, that's what I really want to talk about. So I think we should go ahead and get to spoilers. Guys, from here on out, we are going to talk about Paths of Glory in great detail. You have been warned. So, um, where this is a very, very slight spoiler with no context for Just Mercy. So, I'm not going to say the character or the, the situation. I'm just going to talk about one scene that happens in the movie. So, again, it's not a plot point, but it is something that you will see but you won't know who it is or whatnot. So I'm not taking away like the suspense or the, uh, the, maybe the surprise of who you see in the scenario that I'm going to describe. Does that seem okay? Yeah. All right. So, uh, if you don't want to hear this random thing, fast forward like 30 seconds in just mercy, you witness a person go to the electric chair and it's not done in a over the top movie way. It feels, uh, much like quicker than I think I've seen it depicted in the past or like a lot of times it's like a person's like you know screaming and they're they're electrocuted and it's intense and horrifying um this was in some ways worse because they hit the switch and it was instant but there's still like a loud noise and it's just a person's gone and again I'm not saying who or the context so I I witness um World War One from 1917 and the horrors of war that Sam Mendes does a very good job of uh, painting a picture, especially world war one particularly seems crazy at the amount of life lost and how life was being lost, um, in that trench warfare. Also, uh, the think of the scars that trench warfare leaves on the world that you live in, you know, cause those things don't just go away. Those trenches took months to dig and, and set up and build. And then, like, even if you are immediately breaking them down at the end of the war, think of, like, the labor and the amount of death you would witness by taking those apart. Like, all the bodies that are left there and whatnot. Mm. Um, I don't know. I have not done any looking into this to see if there's any remnants of the trench warfare at this point. I mean, we're talking 100 years now, um, which is crazy because that's accurate. That's literally 100 years ago. Um but I wouldn't be surprised if there is some kind of like maybe there's hills in that area of France because of all the trenches that were dug or something like that. Like I wouldn't be surprised if there were still scars on the country. Um, and so I, I think that is a really interesting visual representation of how war leaves scars because it literally is scars dug into the, the, the earth. But um, in this movie, what surprised me is that this trial happens where you get three soldiers um one from each ranking officer because there were three i guess battalions i'm not military equipped to have this conversation um but there are three representatives uh who are all being accused of cowardice but these three are going to basically be the scapegoats rather than killing a bunch of soldiers they they have uh one of them is randomly selected the other two are essentially uh picked because their commanding officer doesn't like them for one reason or another and, and one of them is because he murdered one of the sol- one of the soldiers he was with. One of with. the commanding officers, yeah. Uh, murder slightly strong, but not wrong. Well, I mean, I, I guess I mean, it was, he killed uh, him. He Maybe it wasn't him. premeditated. Yes, but uh, he killed him. I think. I think in our society now, it would probably be manslaughter. It would be the term, and that I don't know if that's accurate because I'm not a lawyer either. But 
um, yes, he he killed him on accident, and but because of negligence in him, uh, and honestly, cowardice. Being a coward. Yeah, uh, where uh, these other men are accused of it, and this guy legit did it. Um, and uh, so they're originally Moreau, uh, rather than taking the fact that they shouldn't have done this attack, that he initially was against and was convinced by his commanding officer that they were going to take the anthill. Um, he wants to kill 100 soldiers, but then they again, they get to three. Um, Corporal Paris is chosen because his commanding officer, uh, Rogette, wishes to keep him from testifying about Rogette's actions in the scouting mission. Private Farrell is picked by his commanding officer because he is a social undesirable. He's a big, kind of tall, towering man um, with a kind of scary voice. And then the last man, Private Arnaud, is chosen randomly by Lot despite having been cited for bravery twice. Um, so Dax, who is in charge of all of these men, uh, is also a, a lawyer in civilian times when he's not in war. Um, so he wants to defend them in the court-martial, uh, but quickly realizes that the whole trial is a farce. There is no intention of him ever having an opportunity to win. Uh, they have, The decision's been made. These three men are going to be put to death. And so the, I think it's the last part of the movie for the most part there's a there's at least one scene of hope but we see their their shooting their execution and i kept waiting for them to be rescued and then they're not um and so 1917 and just mercy combined basically retell not the same story but a type of story of this movie like but that i found really odd for myself because i had to witness an execution in just mercy that i was not expecting to have to see um i kept waiting for them to cut away too and they don't uh which i think is the right choice i think it, it has the impact that it needs to have um but i also didn't want to be there which is i think partly the point like yeah this is horrible watch it understand why this man is fighting for this thing uh because this is horrible and I think I felt the same way watching Paths of Glory. And that's why I, when I was at Just Mercy, because I watched Paths of Glory first, I was like, well, this is weird that I just watched two movies where I had to watch an execution in the same day. Like, it was kind of stunning and, and surprising um, in, a, in a not a good way, but like a, an impactful way. I felt moved in ways that uh, I wasn't really expecting to have to deal with that in that day. And um, yeah, it, it's it's something and I, I definitely can see why you maybe wouldn't like it because it is well, a dark ending well because it's very humanizing like we hear about executions but nothing like having to and i mean it's not real it's a movie but you yeah. know what i mean it yeah <sighs> and I've, I've not done any research to see if this uh is based on like real events or anything like if this attack tried to happen and it was unsuccessful and if the cowardice was charged i haven't done anything to, to fact check this I... It's just like you're watching the movie and you're just thinking about how absolutely ridiculous that the general is. That these guys, they tried to take the anthill. There was absolutely no hope of them taking the anthill. They were tired and completely run down and didn't have enough resources or men. There was no way it was going to happen. It, I mean, I don't... Well, and then what I haven't we haven't talked about is that the, the General Maru... Um, was so mad that the men wouldn't attack because there was one group who refused to attack because they knew it was pointless. They knew it was like literally a suicide mission that he tried to get 
the gunner to fire on them to motivate them to run. And if the gunner had been, a, 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 well, a coward, right, he would have done it out of fear of losing his own job or being punished. Instead, he refused, and it probably saved was a trying bunch to, of lives. trying to follow procedure as well. Yes, he was like, well, I'll do it if you sign off on it because there's protocols in place for this. And he refused to do it because, one, Moreau didn't want to sign papers because, then again, there's protocols for this. Um, that's a huge order to, like, fire on your men. And so that becomes a plot point towards the end. Dax reports it. Dax has evidence to support it. And he, he reports it to uh, the leading officer. I'm trying to pull up that guy's name again. Um, uh, Brillard, I guess. Um, yeah. And oh, yeah. then uh, Brillard reveals at breakfast while the three of them are together that Dax like reported him and that, oh, well, there has to be a formal investigation and blah, blah, blah. And then that like, so you're thinking, Hey, this general is going to be punished. All right. But the, the, where it gets messed up is that you realize that Brillard kind of, it seems like he wanted to get rid of him. And maybe that's the reason they attacked the anthill anyways. And more that he only did that. Cause he thought Dax was making a power move, not looking for justice, which was what Dax was looking for. Dax was looking for justice that this man deserves to be punished because he broke the protocol, he broke the rules, and was willing to fire on his men and just had three men executed for cowardice when it was his own fault. Like, and here's Dax getting offered this job, and I love that Dax, like, no, and calls him, you degenerate, sadistic old man. Um, and then the, the, the song, um, we cut to uh, Dax is walking around. He walks up to a, uh, a like a bar, and he looks through the window. And we go into the bar. Um, Dax is outside, but we the camera moves into the bar, and we watch what at first is disgusting as they make a German girl go on stage. And I thought they were gonna make her strip or something. Yeah. Because they were like catcalling and and being. <sighs> but then they make her sing a song. And. One of the things the Renegade Cut pointed out was that there's no uh, diegetic music. Like, there's no music playing. The movie is very grounded in reality and how it would have felt to actually be there. So she starts singing with nothing. There's no music playing. She's just singing. And at first, the men are, are whistling and heckling. But then, uh, even though she's singing in German, they all start singing with her. And you see all these close-ups of the men, like, emotionally. I don't know what the song is. I don't know... Uh, it's here it's called the faithful husser or hooser i'm not sure how to say that word um i don't know uh what that song is or if there's something uh, it obviously is spiritually moving for the people listening to it where they all they suddenly stop heckling and also they stop looking at her as like a female enemy because that's like she's a german girl so it's like ah oh, we got the enemy we're gonna make her do things which i was again very afraid for but then they make her sing and they all start singing with her, and I think they applaud at the end, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, I thought so. But I, oh, you know, I'm not really sure because I remember that Dax says that um, they need to round up the troops and they need to go, but to give them a few more minutes to enjoy it. So I th yeah, think that she was still singing. It jumps back to Dax outside, who is now told that they want the men to report. So even though they just fought and almost all got killed because of the, the stupid battle, that then they lost three of their compadres for bullcrap reasons, they have to go right back into the war. It's not There's no break. There's no rest. It's not over. 
and that we know it's 1916 and that there's a movie called 1917 it's not even close from being over you know it's there's much more fighting to happen which is why i thought we were kind of slow to get into world war Two because it it seems like a long time but it's really not a long time it's 20, not even almost a generation okay i thought it was like 24 42 oh but i mean between them oh when did world war one end i mean if it's 1917 there i i don't think it was much later than that i'm gonna confirm now uh when did world war one end um i'm so bad with dates i am not good with this uh either uh history uh 1918 so um and then i think i think world war Two is actually 40, okay um because okay. uh 39 so um 25 years. years so or no uh i'm bad with math 31 years no 21 years right mm -hmm. yeah 21 years so you were closer yeah um but still that is in theory it's a generation right like like a lot of soldiers are younger but um and then he goes to 1945 so um but still 21 years so... which that's a long war i mean i mm -hmm. i think that we're just very fortunate that we've never had to deal with that in our lifetime like in that our country a... well i mean we've been in conflict since 9 11 like we've never truly yeah ended. but it's never at our home well i don't know that's i mean those been... weren't either no yeah but i i just look at it from like the perspective of like the other side's the war like it i yes. don't know how to explain we've never it. had to be the the country being physically destroyed occupied or occupied yeah. um in the process of war like that's when you see um parts of even in, in 1917 especially you see like houses that have been destroyed or uh ramps you know di like bombed or whatever and it's just part of like the scars on the land and you see that a little bit in past the glory like there's where uh, the one soldier is killed by his commanding officer throwing a grenade, it's like a, a torn down house that he's exploring or investigating. Um, I think it is 1942, by the way, that America joins World War II, and that's why that date stood out to me. Um, but yeah. and even watching, I watched Saving Private Ryan recently, mm -hmm. and they're just like families trying to survive, and those blown up out houses with children or you know like i i just can't even i don't know imagine and i feel like that kind of makes it more horrifying yeah it, it definitely is um i can't I, imagine i feel like it's just so tiring i have no idea and i know that yep um i think this movie does a really terrific job of giving us a sense of the horrors of war i think 1917 does a very similar thing i think uh seeing the two together is very very cool and also sad and and scary because i think both are condemning war and i think um mm -hmm. i think that's good right now especially with a war potentially looming over us um i think you know watching movies that kind of point out why war is not the answer and that um generally speaking a lot of people 
the people who are losing their lives and the people who are you know risking everything are generally not the ones that the war is actually about you know yeah um and i think uh i think both movies are important i i i feel like i need to see more world war one films um because I, I kept thinking there was another one, but I just realized it was not. Um, it is technically a World War II film that gives you context from World War One that I didn't have because there, it's following. Um, it's like the uh, I can't think of it's it's Jai Courtney and Lily James and Christopher Plummer, if I remember correctly. And I saw it at Florida Film Festival a couple years ago. I cannot think of what it's called. It starts with an E, um, but it was it was good the exception that's it um and that movie is actually set away from world war ii because the head of germany i don't know i I, not maybe prime minister something um flees germany after world war one and it's him trying to get back in the good graces of germany by joining the nazi party and so it's it's it deals with the nazis but it also informs a little bit about what world war one happened uh, and the backlash of World War One in Germany that I didn't know, but still, like I don't think I've seen a lot of other World War One content, and so I'm very unfamiliar with that war. Um, I actually we have a student at our school who's like a history buff, and uh, on Veterans Day for the last two years, he's done a presentation about World War One, and and it's been really informative and beneficial. Again, uh, one of the perks at the school that I work at is we encourage our students to be learners and so this kid has taken it upon himself to really embrace learning about world war one and talking about it in a um just it's been really impressive i can't even like break down what he said because it's just it's too thorough and too uh detailed but um i i feel like it he pointed out in the first presentation it's a war that a lot of people think they know but don't really know anything about and i'm like yeah He's totally right. I knew like nothing, and between 1917 and Paths of Glory, I feel like I have a better understanding. But still, um, if anything, it's just wet my appetite to want to know more because I I realize now how little I knew about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have anything else you want to add before we wrap up? Yeah, I do want to mention I liked the uh, scenes um, and the contrast between being in the general's palace. Mm, yes. Um that just has all modern amenities and comforts at the time. And then with like the soldiers in the trenches. um, And then obviously he's, he's been in the military a long time and he has that huge scar on his face, but I still just feel like he's so detached from what's really happening. Yeah. Um, Even when he walks through the trenches and like to greet everybody early in the movie, like, and he's told that oh you you being here really raises the morale but then he runs into the guy who's shell-shocked which now we call ptsd um but at the time it was shell-shock and even then he in the movie disputes it immediately and calls it a myth and that was the mindset of the time that it was just people who were cowards and couldn't handle it um much like i think anxiety and depression are still often treated now um you know oh i'm anxious like get over it you know it's so quick to be dismissed and it's it's I think in general mental health is not respected enough and uh, i think kubrick does a really good job of bringing that up without he doesn't linger on it for too long but i do think that is kind of the perception of these men are cowards throughout the film it's a recurring you know element of the story 
and I think that uh, introduces the concept in a, a very real way of like the attitude about it at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that scene was hard. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it was, but yeah, that's the only other thing I had to add. Well, um, I'm willing to go with my rating. I, I wasn't really sure. I hadn't thought about my rating, but I kind of feel it's a must-see. Um, especially, I think right now it's so relevant with 1917 being prominent and getting a bunch of Oscar nominations. That check, like watching 1917 and watching Paths of Glory together is a really cool combination of movies. So, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna lean towards must-see. Not quite Golden Pony Boy. Hey, that was the same thing that happened with uh, uh, Clockwork Orange, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yes. I think I went must-see. You went not quite. So next week, the last movie of the month for Stanley Kubrick and for January, um, we are watching his last movie. So appropriate in that way. Um, oh. I am, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Corey, you are not a Tom Cruise fan, right? I mean, he's okay, but I'm not. And I've seen a few of his movies, but he's never been a... I think he's crazy there. Yeah, well, in real life, I, I, I'm i not a fan necessarily of Tom Cruise as a person, but as Sometimes an actor... Sometimes I have a hard time separating. Yeah, <laughs> I know I no, shouldn't. I get that. I get that. <laughs> um, but as an actor, I tend to like his work. Um, this movie, Eyes Wide Shut, is another 1999 film, and that has been argued by many, and there is a book about the subject, that 1999 is the best year in cinema. Um, oh, damn. And I have a hard time arguing against that because I love a lot of movies from that year. Uh, and this is one that I've never seen, so it's another reason why I want to check it off my list and why I think I picked it over um, Spartacus and also uh, Barry Lyndon, which is another Kubrick film that I've not seen. But also both of those are long, but this one is kind of. It's two hours and 39 minutes. Um, yeah, sorry. It's a New York City doctor embarks on a harrowing night-long odyssey of sexual and moral discovery after his wife reveals a painful secret to him. And who plays Tom Cruise's wife in this movie? Well, Nicole Kidman. His wife at the time. His wife at the time. Um, so, yeah, uh, interesting. And I don't know if this is what leads to the end of their marriage. I don't when know did they get sure. divorced? I feel I like it was know. like 2000. <laughs> I know. I feel like it was a direct result of this movie. Um, I do know that this movie is extremely sexual. Um, I don't know. I mean, obviously, in the plot synopsis, it just said that. Uh, so I don't know how how graphic it will get. Um up until here, I I think uh, I don't think there's nudity in any of Kubrick's films, but a lot of that was because of the code at the time. Um, there is obviously nudity in The Shining, but not. Yes, it is technically in a sexual, like he's attracted to her at first, but then there's the whole horror twist to that moment. Um, so I I don't know how much nudity is actually in this film. I'm willing to say probably a lot, and it might be because of the time period. Um, so I apologize for that in advance, uh, but it is a film that uh, Kubrick um, supporters uh, very strongly say is a good movie, even though it initially, I feel like a lot of people thought it was just super weird. Um, it, it has a 68 on Metascore, though, which is in the positive. It's not uh, like an amazing score, but it is a positive passing score. Um, it has a 7.4 IMDb user score. And I don't know. I just I, I want to check it off the list for both the reasons that it's a Kubrick film and it's from 1999. So next week, our final episode for Stanley, I'm sorry, January 2020, Janley Kubrick will conclude with our review of Eyes Wide Shut. Um, in the meantime, you can follow us on social media. I am at Burke Reviews and Corey. At Corey, our star, two R's on the end. And what we ask is if you like our show, if you like what we're doing, if you want to help uh, keep us going, 
rate and review us. That's the best way. Help other people find the podcast. Share it with your friend. Tell people, hey, you know what? Podcasting is cool. You should listen. And just generally support us. And if you do so, we are very, very grateful. Um, We will be watching other movies, and we'll be back next week to talk about them. Until then, we tell you, keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com.